and welcome back to Lounging with Books. I'm Sophie. And I'm Claire. And we are two ex-librarians, keeping in touch through the power of books. And we are currently reading Michelle Obama's Becoming. And Kindle tells me we're over halfway, Claire. Over halfway now. I, I think so, yeah. I mean, we did do quite the stint, didn't we? We read 90 pages. Yeah, it was a big stint. But quite a lot going on in it, actually. A lot. We're creeping up into Barrack's political years, running for president. We're getting into the Mm. nitty-gritty of that. But before we even reach that point, so much other stuff happened. It did. So they, they got married and they had a huge wedding. Over 300 guests went to that wedding. That sounds horrific to me. (laughs) how do you even know 300 people you shouldn't (laughs) i know just all sorts of people from their life up to that point went to that wedding even like just the neighbor down the road who they probably said hello to (laughs) how do you afford that sort of wedding i just anyway but yeah they had a crazy wedding yeah they do like a big wedding americans do though don't they they all go go all out for it and then the next thing on their agenda was having a family or at least in Michelle's eyes that's what she wanted she wanted to have a family but it wasn't that smooth sailing because even though you know both of them were perfectly healthy nothing was impacting it they just couldn't conceive and to be honest when I was reading the book when they were trying to have children I thought to myself I know why you're not getting pregnant because you'd be in far too busy both of them were just Yeah, together, running around like headless chickens, just had a thousand things going on. Well, exactly. And you know that stress is one of those reasons why people don't get pregnant. It must have been stressed. If you're doing those high powered sort of positions and running around, that would be high stress levels. I swear at one point, Barrack had like eight jobs, or at least that's how I read it. He was writing a book, he was teaching, he was doing some sort of political thing. (laughs) I tell you what, Michelle needed to go over to Bali with him. Yes, when he stayed then in that cabin. Then they would have conceived. Yeah, he just went off, didn't he? I couldn't believe that. It was like, I need to finish this book. I'm off to Bali. And off he went. For what, yeah. um, two months? And she just stayed at home? Yeah. I do find. Obviously, this is all from her perspective, so I can't really say anything about him. But he's just always going off and doing whatever he wants to do and leaving her on her own. Yeah. Or at least that's <laughs> what I feel to. like. Like, she's always left at home picking up the pieces while he goes off for some grand adventure. She does get fed up with this in the end, though, doesn't she? She does. Mm. Mm. And this is after they've had children, because they they obviously, we know they have children. And she gets kind of fed up with him always being too busy to see her and the kids and make time for the kids. And she's always waiting up with the kids and he never gets home because he's like, I'm the best, <laughs> Claire, the best for me was when he called her up and he was like, I'm on the way home. But then the reason he was late was because he decided on the way home he was going to go to the gym. Yes, yes. Like, his two I children are waiting up for him and he goes to the gym first. He goes to the gym. <laughs> and, you know, I felt that that was a little bit selfish in a way. Yeah. You know, you don't go, oh, I'm on my way home. And then not turn up knowing your kids are waiting up for you to say goodnight to him. I don't know. I think sometimes with Barack, it seems that in his head, he's he's just like a single man sometimes. Yeah. 
it, I feel like I say she's not painted him in the best light in these chapters, <laughs> but he he does seem to be on his own agenda a hundred percent of yes. the time. Yeah, yeah, like, it does seem to be yeah. that way. But and she just tolerates it and goes along with it and just accepts it until she gets angry. Yeah, yeah. until she gets angry. And they went and had some marriage guidance counselling, didn't they? And basically, she um, decided that you know Barack. This is when the kids are going to bed. If you're not back, you've missed it. Tough. This is when we're having tea. If you're not back, you missed it. However, then there's the crazy thing she does. Come on, tell us. <laughs> the crazy thing she does is that out of this marriage counselling, she she decides that to make her mental health better, she's going to get up in the morning before the kids are even awake to go for a workout session at 5.45, which in itself is balmy but what makes it crazier is that for her to be able to go do this workout and she's taking a friend who is this friend i don't know but for her to be able to do this workout her mum's got to come over even earlier to sit in the house to look after the children in case they wake up what i know she comes over at quarter to five the mum comes over at quarter to five to sit with the kids while she goes for her gym workout it's madness absolutely madness you know what there was also um a line in this section of the book about it was just michelle commenting on her mum and it's quite funny after what we've just said because she says i hope to be exactly like my own mother and at the same time nothing like her at all it was an odd and confounding thing to ponder and i'm thinking to myself yeah i wouldn't want to be your mother either if she's got to get up at that time But yeah, it was a whirlwind of events in in these couple of pages. And then, of course, Barrack said, Michelle, I'm going to run for president. And she was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that didn't go down very well, did it? No. no. Uh, she, everybody else was wanting him to do this. And he was, uh, you know, and she was very much like, I don't think this is a good idea. We've already got a stressful time. And now you want to become president. I think even the kids were like, you're going to be president, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> they were all for it as well, weren't they? It was just Michelle Obama who was like... Who wasn't? She was like the only person. But actually, reading through it, I was with her. Because I was like, you, you literally married this man and you never see him. And now he's meant to be committed to you, but he's more committed to the country. And I just feel like it's a bit unfair. But I know he's striving to make a better world for his children and for everybody. But I just, there's an element of unfairness for her in this situation. Because of his lofty ambitions and dreams, she's got to drag herself into the personal spotlight in front of a whole of America with her children. And that is not a nice burden to bear. No, because when you, um, when you read about what they had to go through on this campaign trail, I mean, she was backwards and forwards to Iowa. <laughs> having meetings and I'm like and still working part-time this was what was amazing me how do you how was she carrying on with that new job that she got so she because she got a job um working in some public type relations at the hospital relations office type thing wasn't it and and be able to go on a campaign trail in Iowa and and do talks and raise two children and raise two children and a lot of the time, the, the children, 
came on the trip with them, didn't they? And they'd yeah. be in the hotel room waiting for her to finish so that she could put them to bed and things like that. It's It, it must have been incredibly stressful. Yeah, I think as, as a couple, that must have been such a hard choice because ultimately it isn't something you can do on your own. Do you know, like you need the other person to be really on board. You can't just be like, that's your job. I'm not having anything to do with it because she has to take on so much herself. And then you also, you start, you start losing your independence in a way because you're, you, you have to have somebody with you all the time because you, you know, mm. Barack Obama was worried about death threats, death threats on the family, wasn't it? It was getting a lot of, there was a lot of bad publicity going around him while he was doing his campaigning. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed this section of the book. There was a lot of turmoil in these 100 pages. There was a lot of differences of opinion throughout the whole of it. And then now we're hitting the whole uphill battle for presidency. We're, you know, that was the bit I said I was always going to be most interested in. But now we're here. It's just quite stressful. Yeah, <laughs> it feels stressful. stressful to read. But it was good reading. There was a lot going on. She's such an easy voice to listen to. Like her narrative is so lovely to sit yeah. back and read. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this could be one of my favourite ones that we've read so far. So the plan is, I think we're going to read to chapter twenty-one in Becoming by Michelle Obama. That's where we're going to get to next. Page three hundred and twenty-three. Yeah, we'll see what happens in those pages. So. I'm still reading Purple Hearts by Michael Grant. I'm over halfway through it. And a lot of what happens in this book is based on true events. And I've read a bit in the book, which, well, it, it's really it's really distressed me, actually. I, I wasn't really aware of this. I hadn't really. But there was a massacre that happened during the war in France at um, a place called... Um, Orador sur Glam. And it was horrific. Really, really horrific. And what happened was, if I just read you, so the SS Panzer Division, Das Rec, I hope I've said that right, I probably haven't, destroyed the French village of Orador sur Glam on the 10th of June 1944. And today, it's, it's been preserved, so it, they've just left it as it is, as like a memorial to that. So what happened was the Nazis, the SS Panzer Division, went into the village on Saturday the 10th of June 1944, and on that day, without giving any explanation for their actions, they killed a total of 643 men, women and children, leaving only a few unintended survivors. They then destroyed the entire village of Orador, and to this day there is no universally accepted explanation of the massacre. So basically what they did is um, they took all the men and they of the village and got all their machine guns out and machine gunned all their legs, then covered them in petrol and burned them. Yeah, please set the church on fire with all, where all the women and children had been told to go. So they were all inside the church 
And if they tried to get out of the church, they machine gunned them as well. Yeah, that's what happened. I'm so shocked. That is yeah, shocking. Really shocked. I, I think, you know, yeah, even if there was an explanation, it wouldn't actually explain why that happened. One of the explanations that's been said is that they weren't meant to do that village. They were meant to go somewhere else. It's another orador. So they actually went to the wrong village. Yeah. And it was all to do with the fact that uh, somebody had been taken prisoner from the SAS and he'd been burned alive in a car or something. I can't quite remember the details. But yeah, so that's... Yeah. Awful. Absolutely awful. So um, the character in the book who is called... She's called Rainy. And she's she's like a spy. And she is with this other person, Philippe. And uh, she, she's got to do some kind of report on the Dazrech. So she's looking for, looking for them. And they just happen to come upon this village, which is actually where Philippe's father lives. And she, he sees him riding into the village on his bike, pulled off his bike and sees his dad. She, he sees his father being gunned down. And it's just horrific. And they're watching this. They can't do anything about it. They just see all this happening right before their eyes but what happens in it is she ends up actually tracking down the main character in this who is sort of involved in setting this up this he's called Adolf it's not Adolf Hitler it's called Adolf and she ends up shooting him so she does get some retribution so I know two wrongs don't make a right but yeah yeah it's pretty horrific so yeah it really like I was a bit blown away by it really I was just uh, you know you just can't believe something like that happened really in the war but it did and then it was just horrific you know so so that is the massacre of Orador sur Glam. that's it I didn't know about that well I finished both of my books finally I finished Open Water by Caleb Azuma Nelson and Hair House by Sally Hinchcliffe and I must say they weren't books that I necessarily enjoyed loads. Open Water, I feel like a lot of people on the internet have expressed a lot of love for this book, so I thought I would like it, but I just don't think it was my cup of tea. I didn't really like the characters, the lyrical style of writing, although beautiful and and really well done, sometimes was too lyrical that it felt a bit waffly, or it got in the way of the plot to the point where I didn't know what the plot was anymore. So I just feel like there was a lot of things that just weren't my bag and that's why I didn't enjoy the book which was a shame because I thought I would because it was so highly rated so I feel like this is just a Sophie opinion and not really uh, any reflection of the book it is a romance about two people falling in love and those first kind of um, tentative stages will they won't they but I just felt like the characters were really annoying so I didn't actually care if they got together or not (laughs) (laughs) so I think this is going to be my first book that oh, I'm saying oh I'm going to return it to the, the library. the first one, isn't it, that we've had <laughs> It's a return. Oh. Yeah. It is. I know. I rated it three stars on Goodreads, but it could be less. I didn't enjoy it. I just, I it didn't resonate I think it's fair enough. You've got way. to give your opinion and, you know, it's not everybody's opinion, but 
No. Um, Her House was was a Scottish Gothic book. Started off really fast-paced. I loved it, but I find with most Gothics, sometimes they're just trying to be too creepy to the point where the creepy doesn't make sense. <laughs> and you get to the end of the book and they, they do like this crazy revelation, which is meant to make you go, oh, wow. But I just kind of was like, <laughs> that still doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I was left really disappointed because there was this build-up, build-up. But then the last part of the book was just like one crazy thing after another, but none of these events were ever explained logically, which means I didn't know what was really happening. Because I I did come to the conclusion that the narrator was absolutely crazy, wasn't reliable, and anything she said in the book was probably not true, Mm. or I couldn't trust that that was the right thing that happened. But that was just really confusing, because I just want a plot that tells me what's going on. Maybe I'm just a bit basic. But it was just a bit out there for me. But it was really well written, great atmosphere. I enjoyed the concept to begin with, but the ending didn't hit with me. I think this one would be a renew, only because I do like gothic books, but it is on the edge. Oh, of return. It is (gasps) on the edge. (laughs) Well, it's been a bit... We're having a little. We're having a little bit of a somber episode. I know. Oh, but I will bring it up. I picked up Ariadne by Jennifer Saint, and I read fifty pages in thirty minutes, and I'm obsessed. Wait, what a and positive it, point I think it's a to end book. up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, Ariadne. It's one of my Greek retelling books. I would say Jennifer Saint and Madeline Miller are like the goddesses, so to say, of the Greek mythology retellings. Jennifer Saint, the way she does it is that she likes to put females in the story at the heart of the narrative. So Ariadne is the character in the Minotaur story, and she is, I think she's the sister of the Minotaur who gets sacrificed to it or whatever. She's some kind of damsel in distress. But in this book, it's from her perspective, and we're meeting Theseus and the Minotaur and learning all about the story and Minos and it's really good. I'm just a bit obsessed with Greek mythology because it's just really crazy. <laughs> Those characters remind me of the Anthony McGowan book. I am, what was that called? I am the Minotaur, wasn't it? Just because I... The stinky Bob. Stinky Mog. That's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just talking about those characters, because otherwise I wouldn't have known those characters. I know you're into your Greek mythology, but... (laughs) (laughs) But that's all the book news, really, yeah, at the moment. That's all the book news. We had quite a lot to talk about Mm. today. So we're going to read up to chapter 21 in the book. In Michelle Obama's Becoming, so join along. You've got a week to get there with us. As always, follow us on Instagram at Lounging with Books. We're both very active on there. I'm trying my best to keep up with Claire and her posting as well. So please follow us on there. Give us a like. Give us some love hearts. And uh, we'll see you next week. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me.